Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Everett Crossland. He's a tenured healthcare executive with significant experience in developing and executing U.S. and global commercialization and launch strategies. He's got proven expertise and leadership in launching and commercializing novel pharmaceutical and digital therapeutics, as well as drug device combinations used to treat rare and common diseases. Everett's most recent experience is as the Senior Vice President of Commercial at Applied VR, where he has successfully scaled the company's virtual reality-based SaaS offering across multiple channels within healthcare. In today's age in healthcare, the consumer experience matters more than ever, and the use of technologies like virtual reality are changing the way that the landscape looks and addresses things. So I'm excited to dive into these topics with with Everett today. And so Everett, just want to give you a warm welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much, Saul. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, chat with you today, and I'm looking forward to the discussion. I think uh, given the audience that you've described and the, the people who download your podcast on a monthly basis, I think uh, we'll we'll have a fruitful conversation. I agree. I agree. So tell me, uh, Everett, what inspires your work in healthcare? Sure. I think mostly what gets me up every day and uh, you know gives me that, that spark every morning is the potential that we have specifically at Applied VR to provide an alternative solution for patients who are in pain or dealing with anxiety. We sell a lot of products into the emergency department setting and I think we can all relate to anytime you're you're going into the emergency department. A lot of times that that might be the the worst day or night of your your year, or even your life. And so being able to provide a product that we have confidence and we have you know, clinical evidence that, that supports our ability to say that we're reducing pain and we we are reducing anxiety and helping patients cope with pain and anxiety. Again, at that point in their their life where they need it most. And so I think it's something that we think a lot about on, on a daily basis. And it's definitely something that keeps me motivated. The more we, we get the product out there, the, the more people we're helping. And of course, building a business. I love the idea of being able to successfully start from zero and build, build something into a multi-million dollar enterprise. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. And, and so I'd love to learn a little bit more about the technology, the applications, and exactly how you guys are adding value to the ecosystem. Can you hone in on that for us? Yeah, sure thing. So we offer uh, virtual reality therapeutic content. We currently are a wellness product, which means that we can't make medical claims because we have not put our products through FDA for review and clearance as medical devices. But what we are able to do is point to the clinical studies that we've done and the clinical studies that have been done on our products and that demonstrate the ability of virtual reality content to that's really relaxation exercises, breathing exercises, biofeedback, et cetera, that all are designed to reduce anxiety and help patients cope with acute and chronic pain. Something that we have a lot of anecdotal evidence on, but also we've done the work to uh, build the clinical body of evidence to support that use as well. And so 
you think about the value proposition, obviously there's a there's a patient value prop here where patients, more than a majority of patients, prefer a non-opioid, non-pharmacologic pain management regimen. Virtual reality offering, clearly we fit the bill. We also have a value prop for health systems and physicians in a variety of different settings and you know, citing the, the emergency department. A lot of times there's high anxiety in the, that setting. And you can imagine that a patient with comorbidities and who's on uh, on average 6 to 11 different drugs when they come through the door adding another drug such as a benzo can complicate your work stream and workflow and so if you're able to introduce again a non-pharmacologic solution that helps patients cope with their anxiety and pain in that setting and you're able to uh, improve efficiencies as well. So we can go through multiple different settings, but that's just one example where we think through our value prop in terms of what we're offering the patient, what we're offering docs in, in terms of their workflow efficiency, and then what we're offering health systems in terms of their ability to provide value to, to patients and, and improve the cost structure that they obviously think about on a day-to-day basis. No, it's some some valuable pearls there, Everett. And and I mean, we've discussed the challenges with the opioid epidemic. And last year, the NIH funded, I don't know, they approved like $945 million toward research to, mm-hmm. for non-opioid ways to reduce pain long term. And this is a critical time for technologies like this. Yeah, so we, we actually received some grant funding through the NIH there, and we're doing oh, a number of... Awesome. Yeah, we, we were part of that, that class. Which, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was a big team effort. We've got a number of experts on staff here that just did yeoman's work in getting those grant applications in. And, and I think it's it's a real mark of credibility when NIH sees promise in your in your product and, and your offering. We're using that money uh, to conduct clinical randomized controlled studies at Cleveland Clinic and Geisinger to study both pain reduction as well as opioid sparing. So Hmm. we're matching this product up against standard of care that currently uses opioids and and rightfully so in many cases, but there's also room to improve and room to potentially reduce the need for opioids in a certain patient population. And we're investigating that and we're kicking those clinical studies off this year. And, uh, you know, we're really grateful for the NIH funding as well. And it helps a company like ours, which is a venture-backed company. It helps us extend runway, helps us bring in more experts. And, and again, it just lends that credibility. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Everett. And uh, it's exciting to hear you've, you've got these outstanding partnerships with uh, some of the best in the provider space. And as you think about your company, the company that you guys are running there, what is it that differentiates it? Why is it better? than other VR things that are out there? I think our approach is relatively unique in that we have a really broad uh, base of data that we're pulling from. So we sell into over 250 hospitals across the country. We sell into seven different countries. So we've got an incredible amount of use that and data from that use that we are using to mine for for clinical signals, and that use is just increasing. So, with the thirty thousand patients that have used our our product to date, now this year I think we'll probably hit forty thousand, and that gives us a real competitive advantage in that we're able to see where VR works 
and where it doesn't. We think about treating pain, for example, and a lot of companies are looking at VR as a solution for pain. We're not necessarily unique in that, but the reason is is that there's a mechanism of action there and a cascade there that we believe that we all believe that we can tap into. Applied VR has the distinct advantage of being able to see across those 30, ideally, say 40,000 uses over the course of a few years and, and really mine for insights and signals. We're using that to shape our clinical studies and shape our clinical development program. I think what where we're also differentiated is, is our intense focus on clinical evidence development. And we're doing that through strategic partnerships. So our intense focus on clinical evidence development, we see that at other companies as well. But I'll tell you, the way that we're doing it, I think, is unique. And we're, we do this through strategic partnerships and a strategic partnership strategy where we are co-developing our, a cancer-related anxiety product with NCI and NIH. We're working with a couple of large health systems and payers in a co-development capacity there as well. And even in our clinical studies with Geisinger and Cleveland Clinic, we have a strategic partnership element to those, but that they're not just transactional clinical development programs. We're, we're software, so we're able to use the, leverage the experts that these institutions bring to bear and fold in some, some development so that the product that comes out of the clinical study goes into FDA that, and ultimately hits the market. It's something that has been shaped by some of the best practitioners in the world. And I think that that gives us a, a competitive advantage because often what you'll see is that these clinical studies, one, they're table sticks, and you've got to have that clinical evidence. Clinical totally agree. But if you do this in a unique way, I think that you're able to produce, I think you're able to produce a product that is, is better than, you know, than just a transactional clinical study. You've brought up some good points, and, and there's a reason why these institutions have decided to partner with Applied VR. So congratulations on, on those partnerships. It's exciting to see that the broad uh, level of, of use is also giving you guys some uniquenesses there to pull more insights. What would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you guys have had, and, and what's a key learning? Probably some of the biggest setbacks have, have been just, I think this is probably true of anything in healthcare takes twice as long and, and maybe three times as much money as you would you would have uh, predicted going in. So that, that's a, it's a learning that we were generally familiar with that are, you know, that you can only be so accurate in your predictions. That said, I think that probably the, the unique learning there is, is that, you know, there's a way to, to de-risk things, you know, kind of start small, fail small and move quickly, even within healthcare. And I think our learning probably was that we wanted to skip over a couple of those small steps. And I think they're just laws of physics and healthcare that you can't get around. And <laughs> I think that's probably our, our learning. And we didn't learn it too much of a hard way because we were able to course correct pretty quickly. And But yeah, I think that's probably the answer for, for us. I'm sure everybody else has their, their unique learnings as well. No, for sure. It's a good one. And, and if you had to say one thing that you're most excited about today, what is it? I think for us, we're really looking at 2020 as this year where we bring VR to just a, a much more scaled stage. When you think about 
say 250 hospitals. That's it depends on how you kind of cut the universe of hospitals, but that's about one to two percent, maybe three percent of hospitals. And it's so we're still just barely, barely part of the mindset of hospitalists and a very select few. And I think 2020 is this this year where we're going to see Applied VR and probably a couple other companies, but I think Applied VR will be leading the way where we have use across system-wide use across major institutions. So Intermountain will be using us across 24 different health systems. We'll have Northwestern being using us across a few different sites as well. We also you know, have those clinical studies that are going on with Geisinger and Cleveland Clinic, but I, we anticipate some of these larger systems adopting a system-wide. And I think that really is a turning point where you see any product class can get into a hospital, get into a handful of hospitals or get into a couple of hundred hospitals by hook or by crook type of thing, and you're selling in, in at the department level, where you see those turning points in that traction take hold is where you start to see that system-wide adoption. And I think that's really the most exciting thing for us this year because it means that a lot of things are falling in place. And those are things like EMR integration, usage-based billing, things like that, where you're really integrated in, you're entrenched into a system, you're entrenched into an order set or a click set, and you're just in that workflow such that we're no longer the kind of weird toy that some innovative doc is using, we are part of a treatment pattern. And that is a major step. And I think it'll still be a baby step because we won't be in every large system. But I think we're going to see that really take hold this year. And I think the, the industry as a whole, digital therapeutics and, and VR specifically, will be better for it as we, we move forward even beyond 2020. Everett, I think that's uh, very insightful and, and it is exciting. I mean, I remember just five years ago, right? I mean, it was a gadget and it was futuristic, you know, and today right. it's happening. And uh, to your point, the what's next is, is very exciting because people are starting to look at this very seriously. Companies like yours, Applied VR, are doing the, the serious clinical studies and partnerships to validate it. So yeah, kudos to you and your team for the work that you're doing here. It's uh, groundbreaking work and uh, I definitely think it's, it's going to pay off. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, we're, we're really excited about it. Uh, founding team here has built an incredible team. I feel really lucky to be part of such a good group of people and good group of experts and just to be able to do my part. And I think that, you know, I look at this too as whenever you're in such a nascent industry, you know, we have the responsibility to try to get it right and do it right. And in part, that's why we're, we're taking the clinical evidence development route that we are and why we prioritize that at the top of our business model. Because I think every Everybody that comes behind us is going to ultimately be following in these footsteps. And it's a, it's a great responsibility to patients and health systems to ensure that what we put forward and what everybody else ultimately puts forward, that we move beyond that kind of fun gadget and that we are truly a, a medical offering, medical grade evidence and medical, medical grade promotion. And 
you know, I think we're setting the tone and that's one of the most exciting parts of building an industry here is and probably one of the most anxiety inducing parts of building an industry <laughs> is is trying to get it right when there are not a lot of analogs out there for us to go off of. Love it. Yeah. So great. So great. And so one more question before we conclude, uh, what, what book would you recommend to the listeners? Oh, let's see. I think probably the book that I, I read every couple of years is Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's, a, it's fantastic. It's a little bit philosophical look on, on how to build a business or, or live a life. And my biggest takeaway from it is, is that it's not just a matter of being able to withstand, withstand the inevitable uh, hits that you're going to take that you really shouldn't build your business that way. It's so you should build your business and, and live your life in a way that when you take those hits, it actually makes you stronger. And I just, I love that as a takeaway. And, and uh, I also just love the way uh, that author lays out his, his thinking. And you read it a couple times every few years. So that says a lot. Well, it's a pretty dense read. So I always, <laughs> I always kind of get a new nugget every yeah. time I, I read it again. Ah. So good. What a great recommendation. Appreciate that, Everett. So, I mean, incredible, right? You've laid down the foundation here for, for all of us to really consider virtual reality as part of a, a care plan. So I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners, maybe a call to action. What do we need to be thinking about doing here, Everett, as we, uh, as we think about VR? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I would invite your your listeners to go to appliedvr.io. We've got a lot of great information on our site. We also link to a lot of our science, and you can see a fair amount of just the science of VR that's that's been developed over the last three decades, and that is in the works over coming this year and in the in the coming years. I think the biggest call to action is really to consider to seriously consider how virtual reality, how digital solutions can play a role in, in improving the care for patients without disrupting workflows and without the legacy burdens of some past digital health products that probably were cumbersome. There's this new wave of of technologies out there that have been out for a couple of years and their adoption is taking the curve that most new technologies take, which is just takes time, but I invite your listeners to try to accelerate that adoption because patients will benefit from it. Great call to action. And folks, I'm definitely thinking about it and I hope you are too. And again, the website is appliedvr.io and you can also go to outcomesrocket.health and in the search bar, type in Applied VR or type in Everett and you'll find the entire show notes and transcript of our conversation with Everett today. So again, Everett, just want to say thanks for spending time with us and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Hey, thanks, Saul. It's been a real pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.